0: We are getting the latest updates from City Hall and the Johnson administration. This week, city leaders met to address ongoing issues and debates from CPD to the migrant crisis to the recent resolution calling for a ceasefire in Gaza. WBEZ city government and politics reporter Mariah Wolfel joins us now with those stories and much more, as always. Hi, Mariah. Hello. hello. All right, so let's jump right in. There's been a push for CPD to respond to 911 calls faster, And, and depending what police district you're in, The time between the call and then having officers actually deployed, that can vary. Mm -hmm. A city council committee voted to require the police department to conduct a a study analyzing their staffing.
1: Why a study? So- I mean, frankly, because this was a promise made by Chicago's police superintendent, Larry Snelling, when he took the job, when he was chosen by Mayor Brandon Johnson to lead the department, he vowed to hire an outside organization to study officer deployment. So that's, you know, where cops are assigned and whether that's the best use of department resources. Um, This is long been an issue in the city the city council has long had questions about it and so i think this ordinance was introduced and authored by progressive alderman matt martin to codify that into law that this needs to happen Mm -hmm. um there's there's long been a question of whether chicago has enough cops we hear about it every budget season you talk about it on the show a lot Right, right um and the truth is we have some of the most officers per capita in the country um and critics say the chicago police department uh if they had a more efficient staffing plan would mean we don't need to add to our policing ranks. So a study like this could have big implications for crime in the city of Chicago and how yeah. it's addressed.
0: Yeah, so a, a data like this, collecting this kind of data is is highly important, it sounds like. Give us the issue with how officers are actually deployed right now.
1: Yeah, so for for years there have been concerns about whether police are stationed at the places they should be during the times that crime is the highest. The Chicago Tribune has found that police staffing is not at the highest during times when cops are needed most. A previous study by the University of Chicago's Crime Lab that was never actually publicly released, um, aside from a a short summary, found that police deployment is based on the, quote, desires and intuition of key decision-makers and often winds up being highly political and unequal. Um, And that summary urged city to move to a data-driven approach Mm -hmm. to deployment instead.
0: Uh, so this, so this data could be used to change what happens when it comes to responding to these nine one one calls.
1: Correct. And get us there faster. Right, right. So instead, you know, for instance, I mean, we, we don't know exactly how this data would be applied, but the crime lab, for instance, has previously called for assigning officers based on calls for service or total violent crime or population size or how many officers in a certain district are retiring. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those sorts of things could be factors in how this da- data would be applied. Have there been previous studies? There have been many fits and starts. Um, okay. And so that study I referenced by the University of Chicago Crime Lab that was commissioned by former Police Superintendent David Brown a few years ago, um, but it wasn't actually completed and wasn't actually publicly released. Um, There was and and the the findings most importantly were not you know um, implemented by the Chicago Police Department. Mm. There was also a 2016 study ordered by Superintendent Eddie Johnson that was never released, and I think the last completed study on record was all the way back from now three mares ago in 2010. And so I think there's what do we seem to never go to completion with these? (laughs) Um, You know, the, the redeployment of police officers is a politically fraught issue in Chicago. Um, analysts and leaders from outside the city have said politics plays too much of a role in this decision making, like aldermen wanting more cops even in areas, in safer areas, or veteran officers getting to pick their assignments instead of being assigned based on need. Um, the majority of violent crime, as you know, happens on the south and west sides in the city, but. You know whether those neighborhoods receive better or more efficient policing mm-hmm. um, is a question, and then there's also that question that I mentioned at the top of whether Chicago um, could actually make do with the number of officers that it has if right. they were more efficiently spread. So let's shift gears, Mariah. On Monday,
0: Governor Pritzker, as well as Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle, they met with Mayor Johnson, and they talked about plans to address the migrant crisis. What do we know about the latest plans?
1: Well. Yes, and you referenced that meeting. I'm sure residents are happy to see the governor and the mayor meeting on this issue. Um, you Sounds know, like progress. I think it looks good for the both of them. There's been a lot of back and forth in the media, this game of kind of like hot potato around the migrant crisis um, that I'm sure residents are sick of hearing about. But um, I think the main outstanding question that we can assume that they talked about is when and where and if the state is going to build the additional 2,000 shelter beds that it has promised the city. Um, the state opened a 200-bed shelter at a former CVS site in Little Village, but mm-hmm. has yet to make good on this larger promise to open a massive base camp. Um, Johnson has said the city could really use those additional 2,000 beds, um, and at least in public, the state has said it's it's waiting to hear where they should build them. Um, a previous plan to build a base camp was actually scuttled by the state over environmental concerns, as you mm-hmm. probably remember, and mm-hmm. It seems to be kind of at a standstill ever since. So I I would presume that they were talking in part about that, as well as efforts to get migrants housed cr- quicker. Um, you know, the state has been funding wraparound services at shelters like caseworkers who are supposed to be helping connect people with yeah. housing. Um, but that process, I think, has moved slower than expected, which has caused this pushback of the eviction deadline multiple times. Um, well, in that too, the mayor
0: has touted investing almost what eighteen million dollars for black and Latino owned businesses to help feed migrants and yeah, those services.
1: Yeah, I think it's part of his efforts to try to rely more on community based organizations, um, both for wraparound services and for things things like food to to step away from national staffing yes. firms that have cost a lot of money.
0: What are the latest numbers Mariah, how many migrants have arrived here so far?
1: Yeah, so in the city's operating twenty eight shelters, and there are more than thirteen thousand migrants staying in those shelters currently. Um, and then, you know, the the total number of people awaiting shelter placement is really low right now, which can't always be said. There's five people waiting for a shelter bed one person is at as as is at a chicago police district and four people are at o'hare there are zero people at that so-called landing zone that parking lot with like warming buses right. basically um and so i think that's a result of of a slowdown in buses, but that, that is seeming to pick back up. And so I think the Johnson administration is probably feeling a lot of pressure right now to increase capacity in some way. Mm -hmm. Something else you recently covered in depth here, uh, the uh,
0: ceasefire resolution at city hall and governor Pritzker uh, has talked about, he said he, he basically expressed disappointment with the, with the city council saying that, uh, you know, uh, you know, we shouldn't have called for a ceasefire resolution. And and I wonder how many debates and conversations, how the, the debates and the conversations around this have continued since last week.
1: Yeah, yeah. So to sum up his comments, Pritzker, who is Jewish, said that he doesn't think that the resolution will have any actual impact on foreign policy of the United States or on hostilities taking place in the Middle East. I think he wanted to include a, a, a strong condemnation of Hamas as well. Um, you know, those points were also made by multiple opponents on the city council floor, um, and multiple people voted against the resolution for those reasons, um, Mm -hmm. though the council did condemn Hamas in an October resolution after the October 7th attack. Um, The counter- That that October
0: resolution, at the same time Pritzker put out a statement in in October, uh, which said, quote, Illinois unequivocally stands with Israel He made no mention of solidarity with Palestinians. Yeah.
1: And to the point of not being able to affect foreign policy, that was also a point made by opponents on the floor. And I think the counter that ceasefire proponents have made is that, you know, should we not try to influence policy on this, even if the effect might be minimal? And the motivation for the ceasefire, as they described it, has has been kind of threefold. One, to show support for Palestinians in Chicago, many of whom have lost family members in Gaza, Mm -hmm. you know, where nearly 30,000 people, mostly women and children, have been killed. since October 7th Um, there's also hopes that this does build consensus and provides a groundwork for other US cities who are looking to pass a ceasefire and maybe get that message to trickle upward to President Joe Biden. Um, And then there's also the fact that Johnson is a progressive and so is a large portion of the Chicago City Council. And so in terms of, you know, you asked about debates going on, I've heard analysis that Johnson has used so much political will to Mm -hmm. pass this ceasefire resolution and that that was a mistake. Um, It's certainly true that he used a lot of political will on this. His team was making calls in the 11th hour to get this passed. I mean, he was the tie-breaking vote. I mean, he was the tie-breaking vote, of course, but I think we also have to remember that this falls in line with his politics, and it falls in line with his base. It, it also falls in line with moderate Democratic leaders in the in in the state of Illinois. Um, U.S. Senator Dick Durbin has called for a ceasefire, and so I think that there's also a point to be made that um, to not pass this ceasefire resolution would also have expended a lot of political will um, and a lot of political capital by Johnson to to not have done this, given it's so in line with mm-hmm. his base and his own progressive politics. That's Mariah Wolfel, WBEZ city government and politics reporter. Thanks for the updates. Thank you.